this might be uh, hyperbole, maybe it might be exaggeration, but I, I would love to just eliminate the word interviewing. Stop interviewing. Just yeah. stop it. Because when I see people interview, most of the time, what they mean by that word is ask a few questions and then read into everything they're saying. Oh, my I gosh. Think. Right. Right. Well, they said, you know, that they did this. So that must mean that they have X, Y, Z. And I'm constantly interpreting what people are saying. And I, I, I beg our listeners, I beg you, please stop <laughs> interviewing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Hourglass, a podcast channel presented by Nola Consulting Group. Today's episode is brought to you by two senior NCG coaches, Catherine Freeman and Andrew Amrine. We're rounding out the last several months of Andrew and Catherine's Level of Work podcast series with a bonus episode on interviewing. The questions you really should be asking, the answers you really should be looking for, and where it's okay to actually push for more. Clarity is key. Check back to the other episodes if you haven't listened, because this episode really brings it all together. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Catherine Freeman here with Andrew Amrine. Levels Hi, everyone. Of work, levels of work, time span, guru extraordinaire. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I, I hope I'm reaching guru status. I'm exceptionally I, I, passionate. Definitely guru yeah. status. Definitely. Well, I'm exceptionally passionate about it. So yeah. I'll, I'll fake it till I make it. 100%. Uh, we're, we're adding this particular podcast as a result of some of the topics and questions that we've gotten as a result mm. of the uh, series that we did. And mostly it's about understanding how it is that now that we've understood a role and the decision-making that is necessary to go into a role or a series of decisions that go into that role. How do we go about finding that person? And so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. What, what does it look like to actually make sure to the best of your ability that the person that you're talking with is going to be a good fit, right? That's the, that's the question. Isn't it, Andrew? How do we, yeah, now it gets exciting um, cause we're taking these concepts and now really, really putting them into practice. So the, the overall, I mean, the place I would start is to say that the, the real work that we're looking for a, a phrase that I, I like that at Tom, Tom Foster uses the, the author of, of the books that we've talked about, uh, is that was hard work doing work at work yesterday. So, or, or today, you know, work means a lot of things. Yeah. So the type of work, the human work that we're looking for in a role that can't be systemized is decision making and problem solving. When faced with with a crossroads or a problem or a strategic issue, the human work is decision making and problem solving along the way. So, Catherine, you, the way you just described it was great because what you described was a matching process. Right. And uh, this might be uh, hyperbole, maybe it might be exaggeration, but I, I would love to just eliminate the word interviewing. Stop interviewing, just yeah. stop it. Because when I see people interview, 
most of the time, what they mean by that word is ask a few questions and then read into everything they're saying. Oh my gosh. Right. Right. Well, they said, you know, that they did this. So that must mean that they have X, Y, Z. And I'm constantly interpreting what people are saying. And I, I, I beg our listeners, I beg you, please stop (laughs) interviewing, eliminate that word, focus on matching. Right. I also, I, you know, one of the things, and this, this takes us a, a little off track too, but the other part of the interview is so many times with the business owners that we're working with, they're so engaged in the selling part of their business that they don't even end up interviewing in the traditional sense. They end up selling the features and benefits of working for their business without ever even getting to the place where they're thinking about. So I think you're you're hinting at what I think are the, are the three biggest challenges Mm -hmm. to this process, which is one candidates are coached. They lie. I mean, they, they tell little white lies, they exaggerate the truth. They tell you what you want to hear. Candidates are coached either either just through experience or, or actually literally being coached. Um, two, you can't really verify much of what they say unless you really spend a lot of time with references. And then even then references are, are going to be hesitant to really, to really share um, information. So it's very difficult to verify what candidates are telling you. And third, we don't dedicate enough time to it. So we interview and we need someone yesterday. So I, so rather than, like you said, rather than interview someone, I sell someone and I sell them. And I, and then I, then I interview, I, which means I interpret everything they say to mean what I want it to mean. And I fall in love with the person and then I hire them. And three months later, nothing's getting done uh, that I needed to get done. So the, the only part of those three that we really, we have control over is the third one is how much time. So Number one, get rid of interviewing, stop interviewing, stop interpreting, stop reading into what people say. Maybe the person listening to this podcast needs to no longer be the one doing this process. 100%. Give give yourself or accept the fact and embrace the fact that maybe you're not giving enough time to this process. And then three, focus on matching. So what we're, what we're trying to match is the decision-making and problem-solving abilities of the person standing in front of me. Are they a match for the role that I'm looking for? And I've spent all this time defining roles and defining what is the actual work of the role. So I'm, hopefully I've eliminated the need to, to interpret. And now all, all I have to do is match, which hopefully is, is, it takes a weight off of people. I mean, I, like you don't have to interpret what people are saying and you don't have to sell them. You can, you can simply match them to the role. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's, that would be the overall strategy is. Right. And I, I, it's hard for me not at that moment, not to get a little coachy in my, <laughs> my thought about it because you know, it is, uh, we're, we're at a critical recruiting time and, you know, it is getting people in the doors is, is difficult enough. And so I can hear, you know, our, our, our clients saying, yeah, I don't have time. I don't have time to slow it down. Um, but I, I want you to consider that if you don't have time to slow it down, you're going to waste time at the back end with people who are the you wrong. Don't, you don't not have time to slow you it don't down. Have, yeah, you, just accept you're gonna, it. 
you're going to end up with people who are who are not a right match or fit for the role that you need. And now you're going to be engaged in performance improvement plans and talking with your coach about how frustrating this new hire is. And so if you don't spend the time now, you're going to spend it at the back end. As we get into this, what I, what I want to go through is a, is a repeatable process that multiple people in the organization can learn. And so this matching process, we're, we're getting rid of interviewing and we're creating a matching process that multiple people are, or generally speaking, anyone could do in your organization. And so it becomes a habit and it becomes something you get really good at because we're just repeating the process over and over again, creating new questions or creating new scenarios based on the position. But it's something you can get good at and get comfortable with. And I I have found that as I help people implement it, um, it's scary because it is different. It's different. We are, we are, especially, you know, owners, a strength of owners is they can often of entrepreneurs that they can often see what other people can't see. The downside of that is they often see in someone something that might not be there. Right. Um, that they want <laughs> right. to be there, but isn't there. So we're all so optimistic when we get to yeah. this, you know, we've got the, the, the shiny new person who's in front of us and They've answered all of the questions that we've asked to them. And so, of course, they can do the job. Of course they can. And then. So the, the four main areas that were there, or there are, I should say, there are four main areas, the four absolutes that we're trying to match. Elliot Jacks talks about this in his writings. Tom talks about it in his books, kind of walks it forward in his books. Okay. So the four areas, and these, these should sound familiar from our, our levels of work conversations. So capability. What is the length of time? We, we talked all about this. What is the longest length of time of project that this individual standing in front of me has handled successfully? So capability, skills, passion and interest, and temperament. So Catherine, out of those four, capability, skills, passion, temperament, what do you think traditionally gets interviewed for the most? Well, we typically are inter are looking at only skills there, right? We're only looking at right. What out of those four, what right. do you think is the least successful predictor of skills. success? Skills. <laughs> we can train skills. <laughs> likely predictor of success, right? Right. So let let's go through these. So again, what we're trying to do first is simply match. Um. So now the first thing, I, go ahead. I was going to say, well, you know, and, and part of this is we find so many similarities with, with what we're talking about here and, you know, situational leadership. Um, and this is about mm-hmm. diagnosing, isn't it? it and so, yes. for those of you, so for you. those of you who've listened to all of our situational leadership podcasts, this is, this is the same stuff. It's the same stuff. But now it's about putting somebody into a new role. Spend more time diagnosing. It's it's great when these different systems you work with, they start integrating, they start kind of matching each other. So yes, slow down by spending more time diagnosing who is actually sitting in front of you. And okay, so this is the part that's uncomfortable. I need you to bring a healthy amount, healthy amount, not, not too much skepticism, but a healthy amount of skepticism to this process. Remember, Candidates are coached 
and they want to get hired. So they are exaggerating the truth. They're, they're bending whatever they can feel comfortable bending and not maybe consider themselves ethically wrong. So it, it is what it is. So bring some skepticism to the process. Which, gosh, again, I, I can't go back to the idea of like, get this off of your plate as a business owner, assign it and delegate it to somebody else so that there isn't any emotion when they, you know, when it yeah, comes I mean, to you're going to hand over the keys to the kingdom on, on a hope and a prayer, a, a wing and a prayer, right. like, really? like be a, bring a little skepticism here. So, so yeah, so we're, we want to spend more, slow down the process by diagnosing, just like situational leadership, diagnose and confirm who exactly is sitting in front of me here. And fortunately, capability, the, the length of time this person can work into the future um, unassisted. So that gets to their decision-making and problem-solving skills. Clearly somebody who can only work for an hour unassisted and person, someone who can work for a whole year unassisted have two different levels of decision-making and problem-solving. So the entry point is a capability uh, phone screen. And this comes right from Hiring Talent, the book. You can buy the book, Hiring Talent. It, it's in there. It's a list of capability questions that you can screen people. And, you know, it isn't very interpersonal. It, it's very just sort of dry questions. So what I would say is bring interpersonality, bring your interpersonalness, bring your ness, uh, to quote me, you and Dupree, bring your Ness uh, into, I love that movie. I shouldn't, but I do the bring your Ness to the questioning. This is really the part where anyone can do it. It's a, it's a series of questions and it, it does take some learning, some interpretation to see the results, but what you're going to see based on the questions are you're going to, the person is going to start giving you timeframes. I check in every day or once a week or once a month or I'm given assignments, we work off of a, an annual plan. Okay, now I'm, now I'm getting timeframes from the person. Titles are overused and overgiven. People oh. are gonna come to you with these amazing titles and they are not descriptive of the work that they're actually doing. And I'm, I'm not trying to insult anybody, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, cover your belly button, it's not personal. We've, we, the titles are overgiven and I mean, I think a lot of reason why why hiring at the level two and level three level fail is because we look at someone's title and say, oh, well, I'm interpreting everything based on their title. Right. It's not, it's not accurate. Yeah. And, you know, I think that just in, in general, you know, we, we tend to our own self make a decision, right? This is all about decision making. We make a decision about well, if somebody is a sales manager in another organization, then they're going to know exactly what to do as a sales manager in there, my there's organization. There's that interpretation. Now I'm interpreting. Yeah. They are X, therefore they. There's that interpretation again. Right. So use a phone screen. Um, I've helped many people use it. Um, it is extremely effective. So now I've matched. If I ha now have a match based on the work that they're actually doing, this role and what they're actually doing, is this a match? And a lot of times I find partial matches. And so part of now the first interview, if, if I pass them along to the next interview, oh, by the way, there are, there is, this is a multi-stage interview process. This is not one and done. I will warn you, everybody listening here, 
I need you to embrace the fact I, I understand, like I need people now and I don't want to lose people in the process, but I, the people that I've helped hire through this process regularly say this was the most professional process I went through and that was attractive to them. So it is multiple stages. A lot of times out of this capability phone screen stage, there's partial matches. And I actually, I, I have uh, a meeting next week with a candidate and we're, we're going to spend the whole time just clarifying the role. And the chances are when this has happened in the past of um, when I've done this in the past, we end up clarifying that some of this role that we're hiring for is what this person is doing. And some of it is what their boss is doing. So in this role, Jose, right now in your current role, you check in with your manager every day on your tasks. So in this role, you're going to be the one who's checking in on other people. That, that conversation I had with a candidate a month ago because their title said XYZ supervisor, but it turns out they were supervising a day, not a week or a month that the company was expecting. And so I, I had to clarify the role. And so we clarified uh, the same thing was true with an accounting manager. Um, this individual had the title accounting manager, but in this particular role, and, and this is especially true in small business that roles, people are running multiple roles and multiple levels. So the role we were hiring, this individual was going to be doing some of the financial reporting, but they were also going to be doing some of the management team stuff, which this person's boss was doing. And so what we clarified, we got super clear on the fact that this was a promotion. This was not a sideways step. This was a step up. And in both cases, the individual said, yes, I still want to go. I appreciate this clarity and I'm still interested. Good. Right okay. on, you know, clarity of expectations works from all perspectives. And, you know, I, I, I you know, the, the phone screen, we've had a little pushback on the phone screen, right? There's a lot of really deep mm -hmm. questions there. And I've even had, you know, business owners say, well, why, how could I ask, does anyone review or inspect your work? How can I ask that? How can you not? You're, you're trying to get to the place where there's clarity and expectations. How can you not ask that question? You, just, you know, you can use softening statements, you know, like, you know, I, I know this is might you may not have prepared for this question or, you know, I, I know this sounds kind of out of left field, but I have a few housekeeping questions here to ask. I just want to understand the actual work that you're doing, you know, as and and we'll we'll talk about it, you know, use softening statements. <clears throat> so that's what I mean by bring your your nest, bring your interpersonalness yeah. to these questions. But I, I'm trying to match. It's not personal. And. Again, I don't mean this as dry as as sort of drastic as it sounds, but I, I really don't at this point, I really don't care whether I like the person or not. I'm yeah. I'm just trying to find out what exactly do you do? Right. Because if I may love the person and end up hiring the wrong person because it was a bad match. So I'm yeah. like you've it's not about liking the person right now. It's a, simply about confirming the work. So so let's let's hit skills quickly because I yeah. think that's probably the the area where most of our businesses, maybe the exception of bookkeeping or accounting manager roles, everybody feels pretty good about asking about skills. Every every role has skills and and each of these four things, capability, skills, passion, and temperament, are going to have different levels of emphasis 
at for different roles. So level one roles are going to focus a lot on skills. I'm going to, I'm going to give people skills tests and, you know, um, rolling up an extension cord, carrying a ladder, showing me the trade, you know, can you frame a closet? Can you, can that proverbial closet we talk about, can you do the trade? Heavy emphasis on skills test. As you move up in the levels, these other things also start to become more important, but you know, things like, um, like we talked about doing a skills test at the, at a, a craftsmanship test of some sort, watching them do a skill bookkeepers, you know, demonstrating, uh, their skill at, at bookkeeping technology. When you start getting up into level two and higher, you know, we've got to design some ways for the person to prove to you that, that they can actually use their email. You'd be shocked about how many people, you know, we've, in the past we've, we've hired and turns out they're, they're still hunting and pecking and that doesn't work or at least it may work. I just want to know it. So I, I need right. to, I need to test the person, send me an email. Right. Can, can you send me an email from your phone? Show send me it, how you send it with it. an attachment, right? And yeah, that, with, and with that, an attachment. Oh, the preferred when you're walking, attachment. when you're walking through all four of those things, you, you might be willing to accommodate somebody who doesn't have the highest email skills but then you can build it into their training program. Another As aspect a- of interviewing. I'm glad you brought it up. Judging. Yeah. We're constantly judging, interpreting and judging. Stop judging. Right now, all we're doing is diagnosing. What kind of technology, what level of technology skill do I have? And so I, I do get this question. Well, so I guess I can't hire them then. No, I, I never said that. They Okay, so now we know that they can't send emails. I, I never said don't hire them. We just, now we know it. So spend more time diagnosing, less time judging. Yeah. Um, right. All right. So so skills. We talked about that a lot in the, in many other podcasts as well. So let's hit passion and interest. So many of the people listening here know Steve Talkington. Steve, I hope Steve doesn't mind. I don't think he does if I use him as an example. Steve has f- a f- phenomenal sales disc. He's got. He okay. has it's phenomenal. Perfect. It's perfect, frankly. It's perfect. He's got great sales capability. He has worked on very long projects before and so can handle, you know, really any type of sales environment. He's got a great temperament for sales. That's the disc that I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the disc, Steve has no passion or interest for sales. He hates it. He'd much rather, he's, he's an operations guy. He loves numbers. So he has all three of the other he has, but he does not have this passion and interest. So he's, he's not a fit. And he would say, I'm, I, I don't like sales. So here's where we get into uh, really the follow-up interviewing. And there are a couple strategies that I want to leave with our audience. First, tell me about a time when is your new best friend. Please, please, please. Get the book Hiring Talent. Tom talks, he talks about it in, in great ways. So I'm, I want to plug him because I don't, don't want to plagiarize. But do not ask, please do not ask hypothetical questions. What would you do if? That is ripe for lying. Whatever they say, they're lying to you. And I, I, I hate to sound like a, a negative Nancy or a skeptic, skeptical Scott. They're lying to you. Talk about real things that they've done. And if they can't give you good examples, that, that, that I don't have to interpret that. They have no experience in this area, or at least they did not have enough experience to give me an example. So they're, they're not a fit, or at least in this area, they're not a fit. That doesn't mean don't hire them. But So 
Tell me about a time when is a great example or is your new best friend followed by, and, and email us or contact us. We'll help you with these questions. And these questions are in the book, but followed by five follow-up questions. How did you find out about the problem? Um, how did you decide what to, what to do next? How did you know that would work? What were the results? And num number five, how frequently have you dealt with problems like this? All of those are important and they all focus on how this person went about making a decision in this situation. So you're going to hear two answers. You're going to hear lots of words, but you're generally going to hear two answers. <laughs> right. Either I solved it myself. How did, so how did you go about deciding what to do? Well, I decided myself or I asked someone else to tell me. You're going to hear two answers. I and the second question, how did you know that would work because I've done it before or someone else told me? And what we're looking for, if we've designed our questions appropriately at, this, at the level that matches the role we're looking for, we're looking for the person who solved the problem on their own. So if someone says, you know, you know, Catherine, in this role, you're going to be dealing with a lot of people who are late and we have to give people feedback. Can you tell me about a time when you gave people feedback? Sure. X, Y, Z. How did you go about deciding what to do next? Well, I just, I went to my manager and asked them what to do. And they told me, huh, they're not making their own decisions and problem solving. Clearly this person doesn't have the experience there. Can I also say, I think it is okay for you as an interviewer or for whomever is doing the interviewing to push there. You know, and I think it's appropriate when somebody says, uh, you know, when, when you're, observing somebody giving you that answer and their body language is maybe saying something other than what their mouth is saying. Um, it's okay to ask a clarifying question. Oh, it sounds oh, like you're going to be bringing people back. This, these yeah. are questions they can't prepare for Yeah. also part of the strategy. Yeah. And you're, you're going to get people hemming and hawing, you know, especially with the question. So how did you know that would work? Uh, well, you know, I just, you know, just, I, I just kind of figured it, I figured it would, well, how did you figure that it would like, how did you, how did you know that it would work? Did, did someone tell you or was it from experience? So I'm, I'm narrowing the field of answers that I can get to, to either two, either someone told me, or I, I knew because I've done it before. Right. And then you want to, you want to hear about the results because you want to hear if there are any lessons learned, you know, did they screw up? Are they okay? Screwing up, screwing up is okay. How did they fix it? And then frequency, the last question, if I say, so, so Catherine, this, this is a great example. You know, how frequently have you had to deal with this feedback situation? Uh, like once a year, clearly not what we're looking for. Right. In this role, I'm looking for somebody who's giving feedback multiple times a day. So it, it, frequency is, is a concern. So let me repeat the questions again. Tell me about a time when... How did you learn about the problem? How did you go about deciding what to do next? How did you know that would work? What was the result? How frequently have you dealt with those problems? That was six questions. <laughs> right. But who's so keeping score? Six questions overall. But who's keeping score? So you're, you're digging down on the decision-making and problem-solving. Again, you're not judging. 
You're not reading in. You're simply collecting information to diagnose. All right. So now let's get into the passion and, and interest part of it. Um, in a role, there are, as we discussed, there are behaviors and interests that a person has to have. So a person can have all this, all the conflict management training in the world, but if they have no interest in conflict and resolving conflict, it's not going to work. We all know plenty of people that we can, we can train them on conflict and they, they may, they may be trained on conflict management, but what they practice is conflict avoidance. So we've got to have both the training and the skill. So I might say something like, you know, Catherine, in this role, um, let's, let's continue with the field supervisor example. So in this role, you know, not only do you need to know how to give feedback, but you really got to be passionate about it. You know, the, the per you're going to be giving feedback all day, every day, and you've got to be passionate about seeing other people develop the person who's going to succeed in this role. In fact, the people who haven't succeeded in this role have not been able to focus enough on developing other people. So, so this role requires a passion around helping other people grow and develop and teaching them the hard lessons. So when I, Catherine, when I say have passion around developing people to you, what does that mean? So, right. And I, so then and you I, answer that. So there's three right. questions here. Yeah. So get agreement on it. Sorry. So yeah, get agreement on our definition. Yes. And I, you know, that's, I think that's a, a that is a leap of faith for you to take in, in an interviewing. So, but so much, I mean, going back to that job title idea, so much of what we're missing when we're talking about bringing somebody into a new role is the, the clarity around language. So what do you mean when I, when, when I say developing people, what do you mean? How many times do we see people using the same words with totally different meaning? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you have not showed up on time all week. What do you mean? I'm on time. I'm only five minutes late. That's on time. No, no, no. That's not on time. See what we mean by on time is two different things. So the first question is, you know, when I say the, this person, a sales rep, you know, a sales rep in this role really needs to value closing deals, won or lost closing deals. What do, when I say closing, what, what do you mean? How would you define closing? And then get agreement on that definition. So now let's turn it into a behavior. The second question is, how would someone who values this behave? So this is where that passion or interest, we, we bring it down into behaviors. How does someone who values developing other people behave? Well, you know, they're constantly coaching people. You know, they're not afraid of the tough lessons. They know that, you know, people fall down, people swing and strike out. But the more you swing, the better chance you have at hitting the ball that you're, you're going you're gonna to make it. My son's playing baseball right now. So I'm, I have all these baseball examples. You know, you're going to make errors. You're going to make bad throws. You're going to, but the more you do it, the better you'll get. And so they see failures as an opportunity. Okay. Question number three. So Catherine, can you, can you tell me about a time where you displayed those behaviors? And now we're back into those original five questions. Tell me about a time when, or six, tell me about a time when, um, how did you decide what to do next? How did you know that would work? What was the result? How frequently have you dealt with it? Right. Um, last, I was going to say, yeah, let's keep we're, going. We're, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Andrew and I are, are accustomed to stepping on one another's toes all the time. But we play well in the sandbox, so it's okay. We, 
I, <laughs> Catherine, I very much enjoy my time with you. Where, whatever time we're spending, I very much enjoy yes. it. Um, um, all right. So the last one is temperament. Andrew, tell me about temperament. So disc profile. <laughs> you know, uh, we start with disc. How is this person, this person's brain wired? It also gets to um, what Elliot Jacks called negative T or negative temperament. Under pressure, do they explode? You know, is there any kind of, of, of issue here that might derail this person's success? So, uh, you know, I mean, anger man management is a thing. We've all been there. Right. You know, can, they, can they manage their passions? Well, um, can, there can are. And I want to interrupt there because I think that's that's uh, oftentimes something that we miss when when we're looking at somebody's disc profile, how somebody behaves under pressure, they go right back to their natural state. Mm -hmm. And so if you have somebody in a bookkeeping role who adapts their C up at work, which is fantastic and good, but it is crunch time, you've got payroll mm -hmm. and the budgets are due and paper performance and da -da taxes and 1099s <laughs> and da 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 like there's a chance that they might make mistakes because of their under stress. And I, you know, so it's, you need to consider that and, and weigh that when you're putting somebody into a role. I think it, I think it's worth noting too, that, you know, in the disc profile, there's really only two roles that I've found that really require a certain disc profile and that's sales and bookkeeping. Yeah. Other than that, and even, even then, there are exceptions that prove the rule. There's plenty of people that have broken those rules. It isn't real often, but in operations, um, there, people succeed for different reasons. Lots of different disks succeed. Um, so then to follow up on that, an, another questioning strategy that gets to temperament, and again, this, this comes right from the book. I'm, I'm plagiarizing. Um, tell me about a time when you disagreed with your boss. Or tell me about a time when you disagreed with the direction of a group you were in. Or tell me about a time when you disagreed with the direction of a group you were leading. And now we're, we're right back into how did you learn about the problem? How did you decide what to do next? How did you know that would work? What was the result? How frequently have you dealt with it? And you're going to see in their, in their decision-making, you know, how they how they dealt with things. I, I also want to say at this point, you know, having reviewed all this, I'm, it's not that I'm, I'm putting people back in their chair. It's just, I want to see the person think in front of me. These are questions that they can't prepare for because nobody ever asks them. Now, eventually if, if I, if we create the revolution here that I'd love to create, I'm sure Tom, you know, would love to, I'll give Tom credit for it. And Elliot Jacks, you know, we're all trying to create this revolution. Right. So if it happened, then people would be prepared for it. But as it stands now, nobody's going to be prepared for these questions and you're going to make them think in front of you. And I, I want to see how they think. Do they, because someone with, someone with real experience will think well um, in the moment. Yeah. You know, the, the, the second baseman who doesn't have much practice at second base is going to freeze. But the more you give that second baseman practice, the better and better they'll get. And, and so being able to answer a question like that is proof that, that they've had the experience. They can, they've done it enough that they can think on their feet. So to be clear, this is where you as a business owner 
are probably stepping in. So we've we've had some places along the way with other people are doing some of the work of getting people prepared for a conversation with you. And now you're interviewing and you're looking for more than just the verbal answer too, because like you're describing there in the second base analogy, somebody freezes, you know, are, are they looking at the wall and wondering just how am I going to creatively answer this question? <laughs> how am I going to make up an answer? Yeah. So, you know, put on more than just your, you know, listening skills and, and think about how somebody is acting when they're answering those questions. Yep. So we are, we're eliminating interviewing and by eliminating interviewing, we Did are... I use the word interview, Andrew? Don't. Shame Don't on me. It. Okay. I didn't use it. <laughs> no more interpreting, no, no more judging. We are simply diagnosing, collecting information to make a decision after the fact. So, th so this is it. I mean, we're all so busy that we make decisions in the moment and then we just really, the rest of the rest of the interview is just, you know, just for show. I've already yeah. made my, I made my decision in five seconds. So no more, in, no more interpreting, no more um, judging. We're simply collecting information in these four areas. We're using these four areas as a process itself to get other people involved, someone else can be doing the capability screen. Somebody else can be doing skills testing. Somebody else can be um, checking in on on passion and interest and experiences. And then then the owner can step in, or or a manager. You know, is this really worth my time? So right. this this could be in a day. It could be a it it could be a, a couple hours. It could be a day. It depends on the questions that we um, design, which we can we can help you with. Um, so on, on that note, where do I start? Wow, this is a lot. Where do I start? So it may seem kind of strange, but I would suggest start documenting failures. Where are, where, wrong, right? What went right, wrong? What's going wrong? What, where are the areas where either your current team or maybe prior people in this role that didn't work out, what were the reasons they failed? And 99 times out of 100, when people send me that list, it has everything to do with decision-making and problem-solving. They couldn't right. make decisions about planning. They couldn't make decisions about giving feedback. They couldn't, um, they had no backbone. They weren't big enough for the role. They couldn't um, enforce policy. They couldn't give people feedback. They couldn't relate to the crews. They, they, didn't, they didn't build team. Um, they couldn't sequence things. So prioritize, I mean, it, it always, it, it comes 99 times out of a hundred, it comes back to some form of decision-making and problem solving, which can be interviewed for. Right. Right. Um, tip of the iceberg. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and again, you know, you, you've said it often throughout the course of these series, but if you haven't read hiring talent and outbound air by Tom Foster, which are based on the works of Elliot Jacks. You know, you looking at those books will give you a more grounded, um, specific academic approach to what we're talking about here. I highly recommend that you do it because it will make the difference in your ability to source and retain good candidates. I, I love creating our own stuff, but I, what I love more, what I think what makes Nolan Consulting Group, all of us, we love helping people implement 
what's already out there. So find good stuff and, and implement it and do it. So hopefully this helps people implement it. Yes. Well, Andrew, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we, as we were preparing today, we, we thought that there might even be more to this. Um, who knows if we're going to end up with a, uh, 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 PPS at the end of this, but, <laughs> but for now, this, this particular series was a lot of fun to do. I hope that our listeners had as much fun learning about it as we had actually doing it. So it was awesome. I'm glad, uh, glad you thought of it. Yep. All right. Well, everybody, thanks very much for joining us on this journey through levels of work and time span. I hope you've learned a lot. And as always, if you have any questions, reach out to your coach. We've got lots of stuff to help you with. Thanks so much. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.